Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Welcome to episode 30. We are focused here today on continuing this path of talking about the first 90 days, especially for a brand new leader, brand new manager. Um, That's the focus of Thought Revolution is really expanding the impact that leaders have. And in the last episode, episode 29, I talked about your first 30 days and I gave you an idea about what a plan could look like. And of course, this is a podcast, so it's broad, um, but it had some concrete specific actions in it. And, And why? So why are we doing the first 30 days, first 60 days, first 90 days? And I'm just going to share some stats that I might have shared already before, but I want to make sure you hear them again. One is, you know, we have about 2 million new managers. So 2 million people are promoted into a management position each year, which I think is really important to understand. Now, over half of them, 60% underperform in their first year. They're not able to meet some of the targets that they need to. And I think that's really important. I think there was a study done and... um, almost 80% actually don't even get training before they enter into that first position. Uh, About 47% um, ever do get training. So the vast majority either never get trained before they get into the position or never get trained at all, which I think is really important, right? And as a result, 70% lack the critical attributes to really be able to handle that job. In other words, let's just think about that differently. In other words, what we have are really good individual contributors transitioning into um, a team-based leadership role, and they're not given what they need to make that transition because it's not a natural thing. It's not an art. It is um, a set of skills that we're asked to be able to pull together into a competence to lead a team. And so I think that 70% lack the critical attributes, I think is really important because some people look at that and say, oh, we're actually um, you know, promoting or hiring the wrong people. And that's to some extent probably the case, to be honest with you. I think some folks, just like some folks don't make great coaches, some folks probably don't make great managers. Um, I believe that everyone makes a great leader, but not everyone makes a great team leader. And I think that's just my opinion. Um, but I look at that stat a little bit differently, especially when you take a look at the research and I see that 70% lack critical attributes. I see that, and you, you take a look at the studies that the majority of people are actually building bad habits. They're building bad leadership habits, bad leadership styles that actually plague them the rest of their career. And so I think that's the real impact. It's not that we're like bringing in bad folks and then churning them. We're bringing in really good people, not giving them the support they need, and then allowing them to develop really bad habits because they move from management into other leadership positions. And let's just make sure we're clear about this impact. Two million people are promoted into management. Two million people leave their jobs every month in the United States as of right now, and it's trending up. And 70% say they leave because they're not feeling valued, they're not feeling cared for, and they're mistrusting their leadership. And at any given time, 32% are actively looking. So boom, that's why we're doing this, because there's a state of crisis I want to address. And as I say that, like this is big. The current state of the management practice is really revolving around three pieces. And this is a bit broad, but um, you know, to really wrap your arms around it, you have to understand that the majority of you new managers, and check yourself, check your experience, check the experience of what you've seen. The majority of managers don't have a plan. So they go in without a plan for the first 30 days, the first 60 days, the first 90 days. And I mean, they might have like an onboarding or orientation plan, but I don't mean the administrative stuff. Like they don't have a plan to establish their management. 
Or maybe they have a short-term plan. Um, they're going to focus on some stop gaps or some immediate pains, like that's what they got brought in for. Um, you know, but it doesn't really address how they're going to establish their management in the long term. Um, or they have the wrong plan. And their training is focused on, and this is my like critique of the management training field in general, the training tends to be topic-based, it tends to be classroom-based, and it tends to be focused on leadership or team facilitation, which makes sense because a lot of times what we see are teams unable to build the kind of relationships that we need to be able to perform, but I think that's the wrong place to start. I think that leaders need structures to lead from, and then they can learn the art, um, the skills needed to be able to have people work together. But you know, if you're going to be trying to build um, better trust and communication and relationships and role clarity in the midst of having absolute chaos for managing the work, the work processes, then good luck. Like you're just spinning your wheels. And that's that's my take. That's my experience. I've got data to back it up um, in terms of every team I've worked with when it comes to, you know, I started in continuous improvement. And what I'm learning is you can't engage in continual improvement until you've got a foundation for it. And so most of my work ends up not being continuous improvement. It ends up being process improvement. And then folks need to figure out how to create the continuous portion of it. So I, I've, I'm backing into just, I want to be there for managers and I'm there for the management process. Like that to me, like predicates anything that any kind of continuous improvement program can actually create. So in episode 29, I proposed that there's three things that should be happening in the first 30 days. You should be assessing your pains. And there's three kinds there. There's your boss's pains. There's going to be what your pains are and then your team pains. Some of them overlap, but they're different. And there's a method and a time frame for that. It's your first 30 days and there's a way to do that especially when you're assessing and quantifying the biggest pains. Second, you should be assessing your culture. There's a method and a frame for that. So what part of the culture is helping actually um, uh, enable the performance and what's actually hurting the performance? And then last but not least, how are you assessing your people, your team? Um, who are your influencers that are going to move the culture that you want? Um, and who are motivated to address the pains? So they all go together and there's a method for each and there's a time frame for each. And I think that's really important to understand here when we're trying to build like what what would an intentional first 90 days look like? And I call out those those three things because you're establishing your management. And look, any manager is going to have to deal with one of four situations. And we already know that. They have to assess that before they come in. And the, these three things I called out, they're going to be the same no matter what the situation is. It's just how you're going to approach them is going to be different, right? So you're either coming into a situation where you're maintaining the status quo and trying to improve it. Things are going well and you're just there to continuously move that team forward. Or you're coming into a turnaround situation, right? Things are are horrid and you have to make sure that that performance is turned around or you're coming in to manage change. So there's a big um, organizational change or merger or acquisition. So you're navigating a team through a brand new identity and a brand new place inside that organization. Or last but not least, you're leading a team, especially here in Seattle, you're leading a team that's starting up. It didn't exist before. Um, and so uh, there is no history. You're building that team. And in any one of those cases, you're always going to be assessing the pains. There's existing pains or there's potential pains, the pains of growth. Growth, right? You're assessing the culture, either what is or um, you know what uh, the what the outside culture is that can impact your team and your people. Um, whether you're assessing who you have or who you need for the kind of culture you're trying to create, so they always they they all connect in my book. Um, I've seen all four situations, um, and these three things to me tend to emerge as patterns. And for me, this is like I learned this the hard way. Like I watching. Myself go through the learning process of being a manager, then a director, then a senior director, then being an internal consultant, um, 
uh, inside an organization, then being an external consultant across organizations. And these patterns have just solidified for me so clearly. Um, and the outcome, if you don't do these things, is so obvious that that's why I'm sharing this information. And so that's your first 30 days. And it's really about establishing your management. That's what I'm really focused on. So then what's your next 30 days? So today is about the the 60, the 30 to 60 day plan. This is, you know, your next 30 days and these things are building on each other. And the two most important things to do in these next 30 days, and it bleeds in, would be then to take what you learned about your pains, your culture, and your people and begin to create your system or your structure to manage your operations or your pain. Okay. And I'm going to put those together. So it's really like a system to manage your daily, your daily um, performance, your daily operations. But I also put manage your pain and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, so that's the, the, that's the first thing that you're focused on building. You're not coming in and you're fixing things in your next 30 days. Like, oh, I've learned, you know, I've taken a step back and I'm going to fix stuff. You, you can if there's like low hanging fruit, but now you're establishing your management and that's your system to begin to manage daily performance. Because it's going to womp you if you don't have it. And then two, you're declaring your culture and beginning to drive it. So we're going to talk about that too. So those are the two things. Building your system and structure to manage um, your day-to-day. And then declaring and beginning to drive your culture. So this this is going to be a good episode, by the way. So let's talk about this system to manage your daily operations. And I'm not talking about an IT system. I think a lot of folks just not used to hearing that word system. Um, A system really in a business context, in an organizational context, are the routines, the practices, uh, the artifacts or tools. So things on the walls, if you will, um, that you use together. So these things used together on purpose. So those are the two things important. They're used together on purpose. The last thing is to create an outcome. Um, an intended outcome. So that's what I'm talking about. And and so we'll, we'll give you an example of that. But, you know, the purpose of the system to manage your operations is really this. It's to continuously align your team on either the plan of the day. So what's the plan work for? So let's just call it today, right? And then what is the plan for the unplanned work? And that's really important. Now, here's the deal when it comes to a system. The manager in this case is the owner of that process or system to continuously align that team on the plan and the unplanned. Oftentimes what happens is people don't have systems. They have routines or practices. Um, maybe they have like they bring people together for a quick you know, stand up, but they don't stand up in front of anything um, or there's no agenda. So it's just kind of like a, a mismatch between or they're, they're standing up together, but there's not an intended outcome. Um, or maybe the outcome is fuzzy. Maybe each time they get together, it varies. Maybe the stand-up bleeds from like five minutes to 30 minutes, right? Um, and oftentimes it might just be like the plan is to understand the plan of the day, but really all you're doing is like triaging emergencies. Um, if if it's intentionally trying to continuously, if, you're, if your goal is to continuously um, create a plan to triage every single day, fine. Um, that doesn't sound very progressive to me, but that can be your thing. Uh, but really to continuously align your team on the plan is, and for the, for the planned work and unplanned work is in the direction of being able to, um, achieve whatever your level of performance is. And so oftentimes that's missing for folks. Let's talk about that for a second, because a lot of times folks don't own that. They say, well, the team should do that or people should know what's going on. And, um, and this is really a management responsibility. Most managers know their numbers. 
um, if you have them. Uh, most managers know how many orders they have for the day or how many like um, high priority requests have come through. Those are the things that are visible because those are the things that are wagging you, right? That's the, the tail that wags the dog. Um, maybe they own deploying the work, but that's typically where it ends. That's the plan. That's maybe making up 60% of your day, maybe, you know, or your week. But there's 40% that makes up your day or your week, and that's the unplanned work. That's all of the hidden work. And oftentimes we don't have a system. How we address the unplanned work is, you know, ad hoc and invisible. And what I mean by that is we make it up as we go along. Issues pop up and we deal with them. And we talk them through and they're invisible. And you can't really see um, what they are, how big they are, who they impact, and who's actually contributing to trying to, to move them forward. And in that context, you end up having a lot of redundant work, duplicative work, work that falls through the cracks. Um, you have a lot of waiting and searching for people, information, and answers. And um, and it's not very effective. And you do it day in and day out. Like you almost see the same kinds of issues pop up. They're just different. And so it just doesn't make any sense when there's no system in place to deal with it. You don't have a system if that's how you're approaching it. You're just coping. And people feel like that's okay to some extent. Like they're like, well, I'm a professional. These things pop up. And you know what? Janet sits right next to me and me and Janet are going to just like talk it through if I have an issue. That's fine for the true one-offs. But if you really, as a strong manager, took a step back, anybody would know, especially if you're like exposed to any kind of systems thinking, that any group that's engaging in a system is going to experience common cause issues, right? We all heard of root cause analysis. Those are one-offs. Common cause analysis is taking a look at the systemic issues that keep coming up. And that's really important to understand because managers deal with that. They just don't understand that they're dealing with it. And so they deal with it in a really root causey kind of way. They don't even get to the root cause, but they're just doing one-off you know, firefights. And that's all that they can handle. And so that's why establishing your system for management is so important. So what's in a system to manage daily operations? And it really comes down to these four things. Um, and you've heard me talk about them before. I call them the four disciplines of daily management. Um, they're disciplines. So what they look like is going to be different for everyone. But this is about seeing your work, seeing it move. You got to see how it's progressing. You got to see, you got to make it awesome. So making that work visible, making the work move, um, making obstacles visible, and then continuously aligning your team um, on the plan and the unplanned is really important. That's what a system is. So the question then is, what would be the things that you're doing together? What are your routines and practices? What are your tools that you're using together on purpose that you've built to deal with making sure that the work is moving forward and obstacles are being dealt with? And so some people, I walk in the door and they say, well, I have a system for that. I use, for example, project-based work, especially in IT, will say, I've got like tools, like I use Slack, I use Asana, I use Trello. Um, that's that's excellent because you can begin to see the work and see it move. The question would be then, what are the biggest pains you're dealing with? And then you're shifting those disciplines into, um, let me make the pain visible. Let me see the pain move, right? So if your pain is capacity, let me see your capacity. How do you take a look at it? How do you see if it's moving and trending? If you're unclear about priorities, um, then let me see your, how do you make sure your priorities are visible? If your pain is unplanned work, what are you doing to visualize your unplanned work? That's the see the work, the unplanned work. How are you seeing it move? Um, how are you seeing the obstacles to being able to move forward your unplanned work or prioritize that? Um, and how do you continuously align your team? So um, it's the same over and over again. It's just understanding when you're a manager, you're not just like trying to build trust and communication. You have to build trust and communication within the context of managing the work. And if you're not managing the pains, all you're going to be doing is exacerbating the communication and trust or, or you're going to be creating miscommunication and mistrust. And there's five things that 
Um, this system is is designed like when I say this on purpose, you're trying to see five things. These are the five things you're trying to manage, and the outcome would be to minimize these five things. And so the outcome could be a different metric. But the five things are you're trying to um, manage your work in process. You don't want too much work in process. You want to see who owns what work and how much there is and what kind of work there is. Okay. Two, you need to manage dependencies. Every project, every operation is going to have dependencies, which means you're waiting for someone, something on an approval, on a task, on an expertise for someone to weigh in. And so the real key here is either seeing what those are and seeing how long they're waiting or seeing un unknown dependencies. Like those are the things that slow us down and create fires later. Um, the, the third thing would be then um, being able to see and, and manage um, conflicting priorities. Oftentimes those things pop up and um, or we create a conflicting priority by saying yes to work. And so now the, the work in process is growing. Unplanned work is different. Um, we say yes to things or we're going to take on work that we didn't expect or we began to, to engage in something and it was bigger than we expected. Um, and so not being able to have visibility and insight into how big that is and who's dealing with it is really important. And then last but not least, all of this creates neglected work. So stuff sits, falls through the cracks. All of this by the way, is adding to the work in process. We just don't see it. We just don't understand it. And so it, it creates bigger crisis for us. So this system I'm talking about is meant to address that. What routines and practices, what tools are you using to see those five things? Um, and the purpose here is to minimize X. So the outcome is going to be to minimize, um, you know, uh, uneven workloads, to minimize uh, the number of crises, to minimize the number of emails, to minimize the number of interruptions, um, to improve the um, amount of throughput or the amount of um, work we can handle, to improve our capacity, to improve um, the time it takes to complete stuff. So you're seeing what I'm saying, like you're going to have your own um, outcomes that you're held to, and then you're going to have to answer the question to establish your management. What are our biggest pains? This is the metric. Now, my system is built on seeing the work, seeing it move, seeing the obstacles, and continuously aligning my people. And the biggest thing that gets in the way of my work and it moving are those five things, you know, too much work in process, dependencies, conflicting priorities, unplanned work and neglected work. What am I building to see those things, whichever one seems to be the biggest contributor, so that I can make sure that those pains are going away because people love their pains solved. That gives them an opportunity then to engage in whatever the culture is you say is going to be, right? Which is going to be maybe experimentation, it's going to be innovation, um, it's going to be collaboration or whatever. So that's, that's, I mean, that's the name of the game. This is the game. Most people don't even get that. They're going to go their whole career without a system to deal with that. They're going to have a system that's called, I'm going to make it up as I go along, which is ad hoc, and I'm going to do the best I can. And typically the work is invisible. Our responses to these things live in conversations and emails and um, DMs and IMs. And that's just not the way to deal with complex situations. You'll lose. You'll lose your people. You'll lose their trust. You'll lose your energy. You'll lose their creativity. You're going to lose your performance. And that comes back to those stats that we said earlier. And I don't want that for anybody. Um, and and I don't think that there's a magic bullet. Now, don't get me wrong. And, you know, it's like, well, follow my four steps to, you know, freedom. Um, that's that's not how it works either, because being a manager means you're continuously learning You're because the conditions are continuously changing. So being resilient and that's what we're really creating here are resilient managers. You need to have resilient structures. And it starts by understanding, knowing how to build systems knowing how to build a really simple system. So, you know, if you don't have an effective way to manage these things that I'm talking about, they manage you. And it creates everything I just shared, which I think is really important to understand. And that's what we're going to be undoing. So you can learn more about what the four disciplines look like, you know, if you visit my website, um, www.impactconsultancy.org. Um, I either do this work with teams individually, 
This all lives in the management incubator program, which we've launched now with teams where we're teaching them and especially managers, we take cohorts and in the first 30 days, we teach them how to do the three assessments. In the next 30 days, and there's coaching in between, we're now building those systems with them because you know, very few people understand what a system is and how to build it. But then what you build has to be unique to your work situation. Um, so this is just um, giving you some background into this is what should be happening. Without it, you know, all you're doing is learning skill sets um, to deal with the symptoms, which is, you know, the impact it has on people, right? And so the symptoms are that people don't trust each other, that they don't have great communication, um, that, you know, they are using the wrong, you know, work style, blah, blah, blah. The second thing I want you to think about here, and this is the next thing that's happening because these things happen in tandem, is that you're going to begin to declare and then drive the culture. And I can't say how excited I am about making sure that we really share. I, I thought most people had access to this information. And I, I, I get out there. I talk to people. I Google this. I've, I've bought more books than um, I probably should be spending money on, and I'm not finding it. And I'm shocked that it doesn't really exist well out there. Because here's what we've had you do in the first 30 days. We've had you assess your culture and your people and your pains. But what I want you to do now is declare it. So what is the culture? It can, it can be a confirmation of the culture that's there, the pieces that are there, or it can be something new. And what I mean by that is I want you to begin to create a statement because, you know, Culture in and of itself is just, you know, the, the reflection of the practices, norms, and values and behaviors that people have. Um, but you have to be able to somehow create a concept around it, a construct. So you have to give it a name and give it a, um, a, an idea. So, you know, say that you want a culture of safety. Say that you want a culture of innovation. Say that you want a culture of curiosity. Say you want a culture of, you know, um, adaptability. I, I don't really care. You call it what's important for your business environment, your org environment, but then just give it another sentence or two to just tease out what that means in a way that folks would connect with it, right? That culture should be a way of either like connecting to why they showed up for this job or um, it should completely address the pains that people are dealing with that are getting in the way of them being doing their best work. And so that's what I'm looking for. It's just like a statement. The second thing that we have you do then is then call out three to five behaviors. How would people live this culture? And I think that's really important. Again, I, I talk a lot about the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule. What are the 20% of behaviors that are going to drive 80% of the performance? And most people don't think about it that way, but I think it's really important to understand that that's typically what's happening. And I'm talking about the behaviors in the, in the context, because there's lots of cultures and subcultures that are going to exist in an organization, but I'm talking about the culture as it relates to how we approach our work. So three to five, because you don't want to get too like, you, there's not, you can get lost with all the number of behaviors that you want. So think about your team, start small. Okay. I want to create a culture of um, adaptability and experimentation. And so the behaviors might be what I want to see is that people every single day are meeting to make problems visible and coming up with ideas to, to address them and solve them. And I can see them visibly. So they're visibly coming up with problems and they're visibly coming up with ideas. I think that's really important to call out. And, you know, I can get to more detail about what a really strong um, behavior looks like so that you can clarify it. But think about it from this place. You don't want concept like people understand, you know, um, the importance of X or people, um, you know, communicate, you know, respectfully because that is going to be like really subjective. I want something concrete that if like, you know, you pulled, you know, um, 
Frank off the street and said, hey, Frank, can you see this happening? Frank needs to be able to see it happening. Frank can see. Um, he can't see if people are communicating you know, respectfully. He can you know, make a judgment. But he can see if people are calling out problems and posting them on a wall, for example. So he can see that you have a practice to call out problems because maybe you meet every day. He can see them made visible. He can see them on a wall. right? He can see a manager asking people every single day, three times a day using Slack, any issues. He can see them being logged somewhere. Um, he can see um, people being asked, what are our biggest issues? And then what are we going to try um, to experiment to, to solve them? And who's going to own that? Like you can see that behavior and you can see if it's making a difference. So that's what I mean by like calling out the behavior. This is what it begins to look like to drive culture, by the way, because here's what happens. Most people will begin to just start. They'll go to the default, which is out there. They're going to go to some leadership training um, that's going to focus on relationships. It's going to be topic-based. They're going to focus on their work styles, their um, speed of trust, their influence, their colors. All of that's awesome, by the way. I'm not, I'm not trying to poo on that stuff at all because it's all necessary. But when that exists without a structure to lead from, you're kind of lost because what you end up doing is you build team, but you're not driving culture. They're two different things. So you can begin to get a short-term um, boost in how the team begins to see each other, but you're not necessarily driving the culture where you want to go because you haven't declared it and you haven't declared what behaviors you want to see. So you can use those tools to drive culture if you're really clear about what it is that you want as a culture and what people should be doing, and you use those tools inside of a system, which I'm going to explain here in a second. Otherwise, um, you're just you know actually being fooled by the short-term result that you get from something new that people are experiencing because they're craving attention and their problems being solved and you're providing a short-term um, countermeasure to their problems. So that's, I think, really important to understand. You're not building culture, you're building team. You're not solving problems um, you know, long-term and addressing pains. You're just fixing things. So let's talk about bringing together routines and practices and artifacts. This is a really simple example, but I want to make sure it hits with you. Um, you might have a system then to manage your daily daily performance. And so maybe what you do is you meet every single day and you meet for 10 minutes. And maybe you meet in front of a board that shows your work for the day, the planned work, um, where it's progressing, who's owning it. It might show you what your unplanned work is that popped up. Maybe you're leveraging your Slack system or your Trello system if you've got an IT way of organizing um, IT-based way of organizing, um, software-based organizing your work. Um, and again, you're having a stand-up and you're walking through a set of questions. So what is the work for the day? What is the unplanned work? What are the priorities? Whatever that looks like. As long as it connects to the behaviors that you're wanting to see and the culture you're trying to create, because this is the name of the game. A lot of times what we'll do is we'll find an awesome tool and then we'll buy into the tool that... Um, the tool that we think is going to solve our pains, like, oh my gosh, we're so unorganized and we need to get more organized. That's true. And that's great short-term relief. But the manager's job is to drive culture. So if you were to organize your work and if you were to resolve some pains, then what culture is it that you're trying to drive? And I think that's really important. They're not separate. Leverage your systems. So maybe you have, um, you know, tiny pulse and maybe you use that system to pulse out, you know, questions every week to understand like what folks are experiencing um, with their work. And maybe what you do is once a week at the huddle, even though you're starting to hear some things, you know, um, through your software, you make sure that you, f you follow out. So where do we think is the biggest um, pain point that we have any control over? Um, which pain point keeps coming up over and over again? What is it that we want to try this week to try to address that? Who's going to try it? Great. When can we make sure? 
sure we check back in with you to find out what you learned. Especially if so, if that's your routine, does it connect to the behaviors of making problems visible and making you know tests of change or experiments visible that people are trying to make a difference? Because as, as long as it's connected to that behavior and it's starting to drive the culture, you're in the right direction, right? Um, I think this is really important. That's a simple system. A system is like your routines, which might be like a daily stand-up. Um, your tools, which might be the agenda for that stand-up. It might be a board, or you know, it might be a visual that shows you um, what the what the pain points are and what the work is. Um, you know, and it might be. Um, uh, the way that you continuously bring your team aligned around the bigger purpose, which is to drive these behaviors to be able to achieve your performance. Because here's the deal. You driving behaviors is really important, but using a system to do it is really what managers need to learn how to do because you can't just try to influence individual behavior. You've got to use systems and structures to influence team behavior. And every system has two purposes. And uh, I would say that 99% of the people forget this, including myself. The two purposes they have is to drive results. Most people get that. The other purpose is to drive behavior. And when we forget that they do those two things, we tend to minimize the real power of a system that we've created. So if you're not using a system, you're running around just doing the best you can. You know, God bless you. If you are using a system, and maybe it's just, you know, a system to manage your project work, you have to answer the question, what kind of behaviors am I trying to drive? Because it can't be just enough to be able to, you know, decrease the amount of time it takes to move things forward, to, to get rid of some of the, the, you know, the blockages that are getting in the way of doing our work. That's great, but people aren't going to be engaged on their own. What are the behaviors that you're trying to drive using some of these systems? So I think that's what I want you to begin to get is that in the next 30 days, you are now declaring the culture you're declaring the behaviors and beginning to build the systems. And we're going to start with one system, which is your system to manage your daily operations, your, your daily performance. And we're going to use that system to begin to drive some of your culture, drive the behaviors that you want. And we're going to make sure that you're beginning to learn how A, to build a system, B, to establish your management, and C, have that system drive results and culture, which comes in the next 30 days, you know, your 60 to 90 days. So um, that's it. Like, I, that's a lot to dump on you, but I hope you're getting the idea here of what a management incubation looks like. This this idea of, you know, no more training, but, you know, we have incubators for businesses so that they can grow and we don't have these kinds of things from managers. Um, we just, you know, trust that they're going to get there. And I think the thought revolution is really understanding that we now live in a knowledge economy. And I want to have the kind of managers that thrive in that kind of economy. Um, where people have um, information that they're synthesizing into products and services. And that means that managers now are learning how teams can take information to learn and create learning into products and services. And so the manager needs to know how to facilitate learning. And it's not enough to say that. Um, you have to know how to build that for your team. That's the revolution that I'm interested in continuously, you know, in, these, in, in my next year here, just moving forward for all of you all. Because I know all of you wake up every single day with an intent to make a difference. And I want that to be the case instead of you just making things work. So that's my thought for this week. You had episode 29, your first 30 days. Uh, you know, episode 30, which is your next 30 days as a leader. If this feels big and heady, email me. DM me. I'd love to talk you through it. Um, but for now, I hope you're inspired by the idea. I hope that you're willing to take some more steps with me to learn what happens in the next 90 days. I'll see you guys next week.